Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a whirl. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Versions of the Bill Cunningham Show may be pre-recorded. Choice Hotels. Econo Lodge and Roadway Inn Hotels are serving up double points for every qualifying stay. Book at choicehotels.com. Now, here's the man who's been recognized as radio's best. The recipient of not one, but two prestigious Marconi Awards for his broadcast excellence. The one and only, Bill Cunningham. Hi, Billy Cunningham, the great American. Welcome this wild card weekend, the National Football League. Exciting things happening. And uh, so many stuff, so much stuff going on this week between Washington, between Baltimore, between uh, the football, between uh, Dr. Lena Wynn slammed after admitting there's been overcounting of COVID deaths two and a half years late. Dr. Wynn, you've seen her repeatedly on, on CNN and elsewhere. She claims that the actual COVID-19 death count could be 30% of what's currently reported. Gross overreporting. And, uh, of course, when she said this in a column in the Washington Post on Friday a couple of days ago, all hell broke loose because you can't be saying that stuff. That's not right. That's not proper. And uh, I've been intermittently watching the mainstream media, as I do on your behalf, especially CNN. And I've not seen her. Of course, I haven't watched 24-7, but it should be a huge story that Dr. Lena Wynn has said that the medical profession which has been monetized by COVID-19, has overestimated the death count by as many as 70% too many. Now, if that would mean approximately 300,000 Americans have died, not with COVID-19, but of COVID-19. And if that's the case, it really is about twice of a bad flu season, which uh, is still going. The great American, yours truly had the flu, over Thanksgiving week, and I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, which I hope I have none. 
So uh, this ought to be a big deal. Also, the CDC and the FDA have investigated the safety of the Pfizer vaccine uh, pursuant to the Omicron variant. And uh, they're looking at serious information that seems to indicate that uh, the most recent uh, COVID-19 death stats and those affected by ischemic stroke uh, over the age of 65 is increasing, not decreasing, which is kind of sad, but that's the way it is. And Moderna, according to the FDA and the CDC, has not properly shared information with it. And so here we are coming out almost three years. I think all hell was breaking loose in February and March of 2020. So it's almost been three years, which has devastated the American economy. I think in the short run, along with one or two other things, elected the incompetent Joe Biden to take over from Donald Trump. That devastated public education, setting children back years, if forever, because schools being shut down, because of the teachers unions, et cetera. Devastated American business, cost trillions of dollars, may have been overcounted by about 70%. Now in the past, when someone said that, you were like banned. You were, you were drawn and quartered. You were smacked down. In fact, social media would cancel you immediately because you expressed opinions that may not be based upon what they perceive to be the facts. But now that these facts are coming out, uh, we got some serious issues, but no one is gonna go back in time and say how sorry they are. Uh, Dr. Wen, who spent a year or two as the president of Planned Parenthood, which kills unborn babies, and then also spent time in Baltimore, one of the worst cities in America, controlled by the Democratic Party for about 90 years, cited sources claiming that most patients diagnosed with COVID are actually in the hospital for some other illness. And she said in the story, Dr. Wen said, quote, we are overcounting COVID deaths and hospitalizations, and that's a problem. Of course, it's about two and a half years too late, but there it is. And others have stepped forward, including some infectious disease experts that uh, said, the, quote, the number of deaths attributable to COVID is far greater than the actual number of people dying from COVID. It was all over, when someone dies of heart disease, you can say 99% of the time, they died of a heart attack. They died of a, of a heart ailment. When someone dies of cancer, okay, they died of cancer. But the entire national media and uh, medical complexes and the government came together to monetize COVID. And uh, Dr. CNN medical analyst, Lena, Dr. Lena Wen is catching serious flack this Sunday night for saying what many already believe, which was this was used by government as an excuse to seize more of our freedoms, more of our liberty at a terrible cost. And then you think about what, what Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer did in the House and the Senate to monetize COVID-19. And uh, others have come forward to say, well, they may have died with COVID-19, but not of COVID-19. But that is verboten, it's difficult. There, there was a financial incentive to monetize and exaggerate cor coronavirus numbers for nefarious purposes. It wasn't nefarious, it was about government control and spending money. And believe me, government is wonderful at control and spending money. They are wonderful at that stuff. And so Dr. Wen is gonna, this week I catch some more serious flack and she'll be shouted down and she'll be, uh, might lose her position at CNN for jumping out of line and saying how difficult it is. Uh, several doctors have said, quote, 
It's amazing how long it's taken the U.S. to accept this as a problem, which is over-reporting of COVID-19 for financial reasons. So later on, we have uh, one or two experts coming up on the subject. I think tonight's show is going to be fabulous to put together the lineup of superstars and your comments at 866-647-7337 on, the, I guess, the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday weekend. Many institutions are closed tomorrow. And I want to thank uh, especially Danny Gleason for helping to put together a tremendous show tonight. Coming up in about uh, half an hour or so is Julie Gunlock of the Independent Women's Forum. And she's often spoke of what the uh, major, major teacher organizations have done using often COVID as an excuse. So that's going to be a fabulous opportunity. Later on also, I'm going to put a call in to Senator Rand Paul, the best senator from my home state of Kentucky, talk about what's going to happen. You might recall last Sunday night I had on uh, Senator J.D. Vance, who was a brand new senator who was sworn in and quickly sent home by Chuck Schumer. He was uh, there in a three-week recess in the U.S. Senate. Later on also is Mark Krikorian, you know, the president uh, about uh, six, seven days ago uh, had a brief three-hour visit to, to Texas, a photo op. So he's going to talk about the numbers, what the president did there, what he didn't do. Also later on will be uh, Scott Powell of rediscoveringamerica.com. I'd like to have him on during holidays to talk about where the holidays came from. And also uh, Dr. John Lott of, uh, of uh, he was with the, with the uh, Attorney General's office during the, during the Trump years. And he has stats and statistics. The six-year-old who shot his uh, first grade teacher and also uh, what's happening in San Bernardino, California earlier today. Another sheriff's deputy was gunned down seemingly by an illegal alien. So we're going to ask John Lott and also Mark Accorian about that. But this is, in a sense, Martin Luther King Jr. holiday weekend. Many are off tomorrow, Monday. And I would note that if it's in my view, if you would take Martin Luther King Jr. at the age of 40, who basically gave his life for the civil rights movement, he had a doctorate. He may then uh, maybe may we say had a little philandering in the process, but uh, he opened America's eyes and he said America was issued a check with insufficient funds to black folks. And when he lived and uh, started the civil rights movement in the 50s and 60s, almost every major American city uh, was controlled by the Republican Party or by conservatives. And you might recall that uh, conservatism in the 50s and 60s was held by Democrats and by Republicans. In fact, Democrats were often more conservative than Republicans and the cities they did run like Chicago and Baltimore were run according to a set of principles. And the, and the principles were clear. We have to have functioning public schools. We have to have pretty good public health. We have to have job creation in our cities. We have to have a judiciary that sends criminals to jail. We have to have low taxes. And we have to have family structure. That, that was the Democratic Party until the 1970s and 80s. You may recall John F. Kennedy is still by polling like the most popular president of all time. And President John F. Kennedy ran to the right of Richard Nixon. He thought uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower was too soft on communism. And in fact, there was a missile gap. And John F. Kennedy, despite his personal peccadilloes, sleeping with too many women, including many interns in the White House, which was despicable, had a political philosophy that said, ask not what your country can do for you, 
ask what you can do for your country. So at a time, Martin Luther King Jr., the uh, black folks had little or no political power, had none. In fact, many blacks voted for Richard Nixon and did not vote for Democrats because things are going pretty good in American cities controlled by the Republican Party. In my hometown, I was born in Covington, Kentucky, grew up in Cincinnati. The uh, mayors, uh, they were all Republican. There was a half million people living in the city of Cincinnati. Now, Cincinnati has lost about 40% of its population. It's now down to about 300,000. In fact, most major American cities have lost population because black folks and others are moving out. The longer the Democratic slash Marxist slash socialist slash the liberal party progressives control a city, the worse it becomes by any objective measurement. Look at the city of Chicago. Look at Portland. Look what's happening in L.A., San Francisco. Baltimore is one of the worst places to live imaginable. Look what's happening there. And as a consequence, black folks are moving out. They can't take it anymore because it is, they're terrible. They're awful places in which to live. In fact, earlier tonight, 60 Minutes did another puff piece on a very telegenic, charismatic new governor of the state of Maryland. Governor Wes Moore is, uh, had a big piece done on him. He looks like he looks like Barack Hussein Obama. He's got a beautiful wife, has a couple kids, says all the right things. I would assume, having lived in Baltimore for so long, that Wes Moore has done all that he can do in the city of Baltimore as a liberal Democrat to make it a better place. I would assume, wouldn't you, that in the city of Chicago, that to Barack Hussein Obama and Michelle, who spent 20 years before taking political office, as a uh, state senator in Chicago, worked hard to improve the life of uh, black folks living on the south side of Chicago. I would assume that uh, the Reverend Jesse Jackson, and I would assume, of course, Louis Farrakhan. I would assume all the black leadership in the city of Chicago, since they control all the money, they control the purse strings, they control job creation, they control the spending, they control the taxes, liberal Democrats, in the city of Chicago, completely controlled by Democrats, much like the state of Illinois with uh, the idiotic Governor Pritzker. But, but I would assume they've already done the things in their home cities that they want to bring to the entire nation. And so the puff piece done on Governor Westmore by 60 Minutes earlier tonight clearly indicated to me that this guy is charismatic. He served in the military. He's got a great smile. He's going to go far in politics. They're already talking about him being the next president, Wes Moore. But what he says doesn't work. It looks good, but there's no there there. If it was Barack Hussein Obama and Louis Farrakhan and Jesse Jackson and Harold Washington and Richard Daley and Lori Lighthead and all the rest would have Chicago a great place to live. I would assume Baltimore would be really functioning well under liberal democratic leadership, black or white, correct? And it doesn't. Marxism, liberalism doesn't work anywhere it's been tried. And so uh, that's where we are. Let's take a short break. We'll continue right after this. Bill Cunningham, the great American with you, as always, every Sunday night.
Hi, Billy Cunningham, the great American. Let's kind of set up what we're going to do tonight. We have Julie Gunlock joining us in about 10 minutes. Later on, we have Senator Rand Paul. Later on, we have Scott Powell. Later on, we have Mark Kikorian about the disaster on the southern border and more. It's kind of a wonderful thing to watch. It's an awful thing to watch, but it's a wonderful thing to watch. That is the media reporting. I watched Senator Ron Johnson this morning with, uh, with uh, Meet the Press. It was awful. At some point, when Chuck Todd got into uh, the senator about uh, going into the echo chamber of, of conservative media, I said, no, wait a minute, Chuck. Please don't tell the American people you're a journalist. You're a left-wing political hack hiding truth from the American people, and you're a stooge. Now, of course, if he would have said that, the odds of him going back on Meet the Press or some other major show was probably small. But nonetheless, it would have been interesting. So to get back what I was what I was saying, I want all Americans to push together and be given equality, not equity. I want Americans to get equality, which is the color of your skin, the gender, your marital status, whatever it might be, has nothing to do with your success or failure. You get no cost and you get no benefit. But the way society is now structured, it's getting worse instead of getting better. In fact, because of critical race theory, which is taught in most urban school districts, a person's success or failure depends not on your efforts, but rather it depends upon the color of your skin, which is ridiculous because that's not what Martin Luther King Jr. talked about. He wanted to live in a society where his children would grow up where there would, they will be judged not by, the, not by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. So this morning, when President Joe Biden showed up at Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, <clears throat> what he did was talk about his personal experiences, which probably has no relationship to reality. This president, who is frail and elderly, and probably belongs in assisted living, said that he would go to Catholic mass every day at 7.30 a.m. and then walk to a black church. He also has said that Corn Pop was a bad dude as he was a lifeguard in a swimming pool in Delaware. He somehow got into an argument or a fight with Corn Pop and beat the crap out of this black dude named Corn Pop to get street cred. There's no relationship between what Joe Biden says on one hand and reality on the other, because there is no reality when it comes to that. It is sad and it's sick, but it's what's going on with this president. And I would imagine the black folks who were there and were watching what he was saying were snickering under their breath as to how in the world did we end up in this situation <coughs> with a president that world leaders laugh about and snicker about. And that's what's happening. They are literally snickering on a regular basis at our president because he lives in a fantasy world of his own making that does not exist except in fantasy land, which is quite sad. So to set up to today's big show coming up in several minutes, we're going to put a call into Julie Gunlock to talk about the status of public education. Later on, we're going to get into the get into the issue of uh, Senator Rand Paul, what he tends to do in the new Senate, which is now in another recess. They spend most of their time in recess. That's what they do. Then also later on, I'm going to put a call into John Lott to talk about a recent column he posted about how the death, or I'm sorry, the injury of a teacher at the hands of a six-year-old is now going to be monetized, believe it or not, monetized by uh, some in the gun rights movement as if you can prohibit that kind of behavior except by good parenting. 
The great failure on Martin Luther King Jr. holiday weekend has been the collapse of churches, black, white, and otherwise. The fact that in England, for example, only 45% identify themselves as being, uh, as being a Christian. For the first time in a thousand years, most do not see themselves as a Christian, believe it or not, which is, which is really unbelievable. They do not see themselves as a Christian. And so we have that issue percolating. The church pews are empty in many communities. Uh, the public schools are not worth going to in many communities. And as a consequence, many say we're in deep trouble. So let's continue with more. If a line becomes available, which it never does, 866-647-7337. Billy Cunningham, the great American, live with you every Sunday. Hi, Billy Cunningham, the great American, one of the great websites, independentwomensforum.org, IWF.org. If you're a female, if you're a male, or somewhere in between, you might want to go to IWF.org and look at all. There's hundreds, hundreds on each available topic from a conservative viewpoint, focused mainly on female type issues, but all issues, because a job is not a female issue. It's a family issue. It's a male issue. It's a female issue. Somewhere in between, it's everybody's issue. But joining you and I now is Julie Gunlock. I love that name, Julie Gunlock of the Independent Women's Forum. Julie, welcome again to the Bill Cunningham Show. Let's begin with this six-year-old shooting the teacher in Virginia. What's happening is the collapse of modern public education, urban, suburban, also rural. It's awful. But the more facts come out, it appears, and you live in, the, you live in that area, you live in the capital area, that, that the teacher was a real hero because she saw the gun coming out in the hand of a six-year-old first grader, and she put her hand up, and according to media accounts, the bullet went through her hand, entered her chest, and, and, and mm. re rather than uh, act like, uh, and this was a nine millimeter, by the way, she, she was able, one fellow student got the gun away from the six-year-old. She, oh. she got all the kids in the hallway, got them out, and she's bleeding, and she was taken to the office, 911. This is unbelievable. Plus, we got to talk about the 792 city of Chicago public school teachers charged with raping, sexually assaulting their own students. 792 teachers have done that, which is awful. It's unbelievable. But first, talk yeah. about what this says about public education when six-year-olds who can't be incarcerated are shooting teachers in class. You're right. You're right. It doesn't just say a lot about the public schools. It says a lot about parenting and the fact that a six-year-old got a hold. Probably, you know, this is, you know, I love the idea that people are saying, well, it's the guns. We need to limit access to a gun. Do you really think that, the, I mean, this kid, you know, obviously, I doubt that this kid's parents were legal gun owners, okay? The problem is, is that we don't prosecute crime, okay? And we don't we don't even care, or, or at least a lot of these cities don't care 
about the, law, the, the laws that are already in place. Look, it's illegal to give a six-year-old a gun. It is illegal to, to not make sure that a six-year-old can't get his hands on a gun. If we could actually prosecute criminals, like criminal parents who let their six-year-old have access to a gun, this problem will never get better. I, 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 I do hesitate here to say that we need any new laws to tackle this issue. We need a more moral population. We need parents who care. We need parents who take care of their children. Um, and, and no new laws would have prevented this no. tragic situation. Now, I like to know about the parent. I guess uh, the parent's going to be charged. It ought to be complicity to uh, aggravated assault. Right now, it's only a misdemeanor. But it says something. Uh, One might ask, a nine millimeter, it's difficult to uh, chamber a round. Uh, You have to kind of know what you're doing. Maybe the round was already chambered. The safety, maybe it was a Glock didn't have, but we don't know. But uh, the idea that we have to go after the gun's a problem. Look, this is a really strange situation, obviously obviously a six-year-old with a gun. But in my community, in a middle school and in a high school, there have been gun confiscations constantly. These are older kids who have access. These are gang members. They are still kids, but they are gang members. And there is no prosecution. There's no interest. And a lot of this is because of just judicial reform and sentencing reform and, 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 and sort of this effort to not criminalize any action. The other problem is, Teachers are not allowed to arm themselves. So, you know, I'm not talking about the case of a six-year-old having a gun, but when I'm talking about the gang activity in schools and older kids having access to guns and packing and, and, and arming themselves when they enter the school, who is there to protect the teachers? Certainly the teachers' union doesn't care about. The teachers' union thinks that the answer is to, you know, make any gun ownership illegal. Um, not, and also, don't forget, these teachers' unions are often against SROs. These are the security officers that are placed in the school. These are usually police officers that are placed in the schools that have such a great um, ability to know what's going on culturally in the school, and they're able to um, to sort of sense when things are going wrong, if there's going to be a gang fight, if there's going to be any other kind of um, you know problems and violence in the school. So when you remove those SROs, and on top of it, you don't allow teachers to arm themselves to protect not only themselves or their students, you really are setting it up that these are sitting ducks. Both the students and the teachers are sitting ducks. And you know what the left's other response mm. is? They put signs outside of the schools that say gun-free zone. This is absurd. Oh, yeah, as if a criminal is going to go, you know what? I didn't know I could bring my gun in here. Okay, I'll leave it outside. Um, so it's these kind of boneheaded policies that we see out of these politicians that do nothing uh, but make schools unsafe. Julie Gunlock, uh, many of us see actually the collapse of our great American society with fentanyl on the southern border. There was a report this morning out of uh, – Department of Homeland Security that in the year 2022, last year, that uh, 695 million fentanyl tablets were seized at the southern border. And that's called yeah. the tip of the iceberg. But I'm reading oh, yeah. this story and I keep reading the story about the collapse of our society. And this is from the city of Chicago inspector general. I would assume a deep blue city in a deep blue state. And it didn't get much national publicity at all. It was dated January the 9th, 2023. It said the headline is hundreds of cases of sexual predatory behavior reported in Chicago public schools. 
A report last week revealed a, revealed a staggering number of alleged teacher-on-student assaults at Chicago public schools. Over 700 reports of adult-on-student misconduct that included, among other things, the presentation of the board was 81 sexual touching cases, 35 grooming cases. These are by teachers. 33 sex abuse cases, 26 cases involving sexual acts at school by the teacher, 25 in-person sexual comments, 14 sexual electronic communications, eight reports of actual penetration. One of the worst cases involved a male teacher who groomed and sexually assaulted repeatedly in school, a 17-year-old female student. And I'm reading this and I said, well, you know, uh, nurses go on strike in New York City who make on average $110,000 plus benefits. It's all about the babies they're protecting in, in, uh, in, uh, New, in New York hospitals. And the, the, the 7,000 nurses are marching around with signs yelling at people outside. Yeah. And, 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 and the Nick, as the, as the newborns are dying, they're outside getting more money. Now, Chicago right. public schools have a teacher sexual rapist problem. And if that doesn't say, okay, we got to stop what we're doing. We're breaking down our society. I can't imagine what it's like to spend uh, 12 years inside Chicago public schools and you come out doing what? What's your comment as a mother about this one? With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, it is absolutely sickening. And by the way, this is not being covered by the mainstream no. media. And that is because... The school, the, the teachers' unions like Randy Weingarten, who is responsible for so much pain and anxiety and mental anguish among young kids today because of her, in, her, her, her unwillingness to open the schools and, and, and her influence on such federal agencies as the CDC, which went along with whatever she had to say. You know, Randy Weingarten is, is tweeting more about the Ukraine and other issues happening overseas than she is about what's going on in the nation's schools, which is which are filled with sexual predators. All you have to do, Billy, and I encourage your your um, listeners to check out Libs of TikTok. This is a Twitter account that goes onto TikTok, and all all Libs of TikTok does is repost some of the insane things that that these teachers are posting, whether it's brainwashing children on 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 politics or grooming them um, and and sexually assaulting these kids. It is really scary stuff. The teacher industry in this country, and let me tell you, Billy, it's not just the public schools. I mean, you want a woke school, go visit a New York private school, okay, Spence and some of these others. My God, they're even worse. So this Mm. problem is not just with public schools. It is with private schools as well. So if you want to really torture yourself, give give a school $40,000 where they can harm your child. But the, po- the bottom line is the teaching industry in general, that profession is a mess. It is deeply disturbing what is going on. And parents don't have a lot of allies on, uh, in this. This is why parents really need to speak up and stick together. 
literally not even the PTA, which stands for Parent Teacher Organization, huh. that organization went left and woke decades ago. They don't even care about this. The, the national PTA and local PTA chapters stayed absolutely science, silent during the school closures and the mask ordeal and the ongoing COVID restrictions. So they, not even the PTA will help you out as a parent. Parent needs, parents need to stick together. They need to form coalitions because that is the only way we will fight back against this predatory behavior on, on our nation's children. And Julie Gunlock and the Independent Women's Forum, the Office of the, uh, Office of the uh, Investigation General of the Chicago Public Schools has some good news. And that is that this behavior by Chicago teachers are not that unusual. He, he says, yeah. alarmingly, yeah. the OIG does not believe that CPS, Chicago Public Schools, is an outlier when compared to right. other districts nationwide. He says, we got to do better. The Office of Inspector General, yeah. oh, we, we, gotta, we, we can't have teachers having sex with students in classrooms <laughs> during school. We got to do better. Yeah, really admire, oh, really admire oh. his passion there. Yeah, we got to do better. And they close over about- six dozen. It's happening. It's happening as we speak right now. And uh, I, I can't share on the radio what uh, the teachers' mes- messages have been to the students. The F-bomb is dropped on a regular case basis. Oh, yeah. And it's also about grades. Do you, you want to get an A? And, and we're not talking necessarily about 18 and 19 and 17 year olds. This is 14, 15, 15, 16 year olds, generally girls. Also, he went on to say many teachers would go to school with alcohol or marijuana to uh, groom the students and uh, in order for sexual favors, grades got a little bit better and the teacher gave the students some booze and some pot. Well, I will, I will, I will tell you this, Billy, this is, these are all stories um, that point to the, the only solution to this problem, which is school choice, giving parents the ability to choose the school, giving them, making the federal and state dollars follow the child and the family, not these institutions that are so broken, broken to the point that there is mass sexual assault going on in these schools. It is so disturbing. And so I beg your listeners, if they are not really aware of the school choice movement, if they are not, you know, I talked about, look, Parents need to form coalitions. They need to fight back. But most importantly, you have to urge your representatives to support greater school choice in their states. It is happening. There is nothing better to, to show parents how broken the system is than, than what happened with COVID. But this is the time to move. We need school choice. We need our education dollars to follow the families so that we can break up this abusive system that traps, let's not forget, it traps the most vulnerable kids in these systems. Many, many families are able to get out. Yeah, they cost a lot, but they're able to get their kids out. So many are trapped. And that, and, and, and that is why this is the biggest civil rights movement of our time. School choice is critical, and it is the only solution uh, to, to, to this really disturbing problem. You know, here in the state of Ohio, that is a reality that if you're in a school district in which uh, they are underperforming, there's a certain, I think it's 8000 or $12,000. You can take your kid out of a lousy public right. school and use that voucher. And if that went nationwide, that would fundamentally change so much. Uh, Julie Gunlock, I don't know what to say. Millions of kids are leaving the public schools. We have Merrick Garland, who about a year ago said that if parents go to school board meetings to complain, he's going to investigate yeah. them as terrorists. A parent right. who had a daughter raped in a Virginia bathroom by a transgender student 
who was a boy but identified as a girl, raped his daughter in a bathroom. And guess what? He tried to address the issue and was arrested under the leadership of our Attorney General Merrick Garland. And the uh, director of the FBI, Christopher Wray, has also testified that he's got a unit that looks into extremism of parents. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that, is, that, that father is uh, Scott Smith, and I've talked to him quite a bit. Um, and it was absolutely horrible. Not only that, but the prosecutor in Loudoun County, where that father uh, tried to speak up at a school board meeting, tried to prosecute him, dedicated hours and hours of trying to come up with charges against this poor dad who only wanted answers for his daughter, who, again, was sexually assaulted in a bathroom by a transgender student who had access to that bathroom because of Virginia changing its rules under Governor Northam to allow transgender students to choose. They can choose whatever bathroom they want to go in. And this father went through hell trying to clear his own name and trying to put a spotlight on the corrupt system um, in Loudoun County. Luckily, that superintendent is now under indictment, and that prosecutor is feeling the heat as well. This was a terrible situation, but it looks like it's going to have a good result. Lastly, Julie Gunlock, how about having a superintendent and a director of communications in a large school district under indictment? That's just like... yeah for not reporting a sexual assault, which I would think is basic 101 superintendent types. Maybe somebody should go into the urban. Well, it's good news, though, that Chicago public schools that have teachers raping students in classrooms, really, we're not alone. So at least oh, we have to understand it's happening all <laughs> over the country. Now I feel better. Yeah, exactly. I, it is. Honestly, I do do. Billy, I do truly feel like I'm living in the twilight zone sometimes when I have to cover these issues because um, this stuff has been people have taken a, have, have sort of turned a blind eye, uh, particularly politicians. And, and I'm not talking about any politicians. I'm talking about Democrat politicians who seem to have no problem uh, with what's going on in our public schools and fight to the death. Uh, against school choice. It's, it's really baffling, Billy, and, and I'm glad that you're out there speaking about this and advocating for families to have more choices for their children in education. Well, you, number one, you got to change politically what can be changed politically, and you got to change who the mayor of Chicago is. You got to change who's in charge. This cannot be normal. We're going down the right. porcelain convenience. Julie Gunlock, independentwomensforum.org, IWF.org. Thanks for being there for mothers and wives and the American people. And once again, thank you for coming on the Bill Cunningham Show. Good luck and Godspeed. Thank you, Billy. All right, let's continue. Apollon. Unbelievable report, but let, as the inspector general said, we're not alone. It's happening all over the country. Makes me feel a lot better, right? Bill Cunningham, the Great American, live with you every Sunday night. Hi, Billy Cunningham, the great American. And uh, often when I go to facilities, I go to, uh, I've been a commencement speaker at law schools or colleges, universities, often high schools, I'm asked, how do you develop a, a conservative philosophy of life? One of the reasons, one of the mechanisms is to read those who know more about subject matter than you do. And if you're in a college, university or high school, you better do that because you're not getting a real good education many times. And so uh, the independent to women's forum, or Center for Immigration Studies.org are good places to be. Read Newsmax, WorldNet Daily. Take a look at the Drudge Report. Yes, 
watch or understand what's happening on CNN or ABC. Understand what Chuck Todd this morning tried to do to Senator Ron Johnson. I think Ron Johnson came back okay, but I would have said, Chuck Todd, you are a stooge for the radical left in this country, and you're not an independent journalist. You mouth the pieties of the Democrat Party, which has turned hard left. So don't tell anyone you're independent. That would have been interesting. Of course, he never would have been on Meet the Press or maybe George Stephanopoulos, but nonetheless, it would have been speaking the truth. So let's continue with more. Coming up next is uh, the senator, the best senator from Kentucky. I was born in Covington, raised in Cincinnati. That is Senator Rand Paul about what's going to happen in the new uh, in the new Senate this year. Bill Cunningham, the great American, with you every Sunday night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Choice Hotels. Econo Lodge and Roadway Inn Hotels are serving up double points for every qualifying stay. Book at choicehotels.com. Now, here's the man who's been recognized as radio's best. The recipient of not one, but two prestigious Marconi Awards for his broadcast excellence. The one and only, Bill Cunningham. Hi, Billy Cunningham, the great American, joining you and I now as the junior senator from my home state of Kentucky. That is Senator Rand Paul. And Senator Rand Paul, welcome again to the Bill Cunningham Show. And Senator, how are you? Quite good, Bill. Having a good new year in Kentucky today, although we've got severe storms uh, down in the southern part of the state. Now, the last couple of days, of course, I'd rather be here than in California, the difficulties they're having. But uh, uh, watching the media coverage of what's happening with these classified documents, what's happening with, uh, with uh, the non-responsible aspects of the federal government when it comes to the vaccines, what's happening on the southern border. One thing caught my eye, and that is uh, you do a report on government waste. And I, I don't think many of us understand listening to mainly Democrats and some Republicans about the wasteful aspects of the federal government. You have a posting that says the following. Some of the highlights include the National Institutes of Health spending $2.3 million to inject beagle puppies with cocaine and separately spending $187,000 to verify that kids love their pets. The Department of Health and Human Services spent about $700,000 to study romance between parrots. And the NIH funded a $3 million annual study project to watch hamsters on steroids fight. And uh, U.S. Census Bureau spent $2.5 million on Super Bowl ads. And that's the tip of the iceberg. So when the $1.7 trillion omnibus bill went through that you voted against, but your fellow Senator Mitch McConnell voted for, uh, I take with a grain of salt the idea that our dollars are well spent. 
Can you, you and Senator Booker have hooked up in this before about stopping some of the torture of animals. As a medical doctor, do we need to torture animals to get good medicines? No, and in fact, what we've found is, is as they do experiments on animals, a lot of the animal uh, results don't apply to humans. And so sometimes a drug is felt to be safe in animals is dangerous in humans, and sometimes vice versa. It's felt, it's felt to be dangerous in animals, but it's actually not dangerous in humans. And so we passed legislation with Senator Booker recently. He's a Democrat, progressive Democrat from New Jersey. We passed legislation to uh, say that it's optional. It's no longer mandatory that the drug companies use animals. If they can get scientific results that prove safety without using animals, we're now allowing them to do that. And there's a lot of ways this can be done in the laboratory. And frankly, some of the stuff that they do to beagles and to these cute little dogs is gratuitous. It is a, akin to torture. And a lot of it's been approved over the years by Dr. Fauci, and a lot of it's been done in foreign lands. So one of the things that uh, some of the doctors uh, revealed to us was research in Tunisia, where they were sewing their eyelids open and uh, injecting sand fleas into their eyes. And then it was such torture that they actually cut the larynx out of the dog so the dogs couldn't whimper, and the researchers didn't have to hear the dogs whimpering. And uh, so this is sick, but uh, it's not only research on, on pets and animals. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ever since William Proxmire pointed out the National Science Foundation in the 1970s was doing some of this obscene research, studying whether or not Japanese quail are more sexually promiscuous on cocaine. Uh, They recently studied some Marvel Comics hero they wanted to know that in the comic, he snaps his metallic fingers and he, he creates lightning. They wanted to know if a human wore metal gloves, could the human make the snapping sound? That was $118,000, relatively cheap in the scheme of things, but ridiculous nonetheless. And this is what we're, we're faced with. But every year, the National Spines Foundation gets more. So when the Republican leadership recently passed something they called the CHIPS bill, supposed to make us more competitive with China, it ended up just being billions of dollars more for our bureaucracy, and interestingly, billions of dollars more for the National Science Foundation. They doubled the amount of money. My point all along is if you want to get rid of waste, you have to give these departments less money, not more. I can't imagine any reasonable person saying to torture animals like that is somehow justified that we're working day and night often. There are many Americans that uh, have second and third jobs, some of which to pay their taxes spent to uh, to inject cocaine in the beagles or to see if parrots love each other. It's disgusting. On a second matter, the FDA uh, ought to be saying, look, if someone is morbidly obese, what you need to do is eat less food, eat better food and exercise. But that's not what the FDA is now saying. They've approved drugs and surgery for children that are morbidly obese. It reminds me of what the FDA is doing now with the vaccines for COVID, which has not yet been approved for for final use. Here we are two or three years later. And can you comment on the FDA telling parents that if your child is overweight, the best thing to do 
is to is to uh, take drugs and or have surgery. It's medical malpractice to be offering that, particularly as a first line. And uh, no, there's significant side effects to some of the intestinal bypass and stomach stapling surgeries. There can be some uh, syndromes where you aren't able to get the amount of nutrients that you need normally. And there have actually been some premature deaths related to some of these surgeries. So uh, really, yeah, let's get the kids outside. Let's have gym class right. again. Yeah. Let's exercise. Maybe we could maybe we could think about not having soft drinks in the schools. Maybe uh, we don't need Coke and Pepsi in our schools. Uh, and another issue, you know, Cincinnati had to deal with Damar Hanlon. I think the Bengals did a great job. I've had on an expert or two that want to know the uh, the the uh, vaccine status of Damar Hanlon. Uh, NFL is required the players to get the vaccine. And it is almost in the media, and I discussed this with some of the national media, like Chris Cuomo and others, about there's a news blackout about Tamar Hanlon's vaccination status because it doesn't fit. We had a we had in our hometown a a high school girl that dropped dead on a on a lacrosse field. She's dead. There's there's literally hundreds, of, I think 800 to a thousand athletes who dropped dead during competition because. Uh, some attributed to the vaccine. Will we ever have research done, Senator Rand Paul, that indicates the downside of taking vaccines, especially for those under the age of 20? The problem is, is our government is not being honest with us. Our government has not been honest with us about naturally acquired immunity. 80% of our young people, maybe even higher than 80%, have already had COVID. So really, there's no medical reason for them to be vaccinated if they've already had COVID. It was an overreach, and there's no good study showing that it reduces their risks of death. In fact, what we found is that actually the uh, vaccine may well be more dangerous than the disease for young people. There's a risk that they have admitted, and that's an inflammation of the heart. As far as the risk of sudden death, in order to prove something like sudden death, even a lot of anecdotes doesn't prove it. What you end up having to do is you end up having to uh, do large studies. The CDC has the ability to do these large studies, but they're not doing them. And so what's become increasingly a problem is we lack trust in our own government because they want you to be vaccinated. They don't want you to think about it. And they want everybody to be vaccinated from, from the cradle to the grave, regardless of your risks. But in the process, they have created a great deal of distrust because they're not being honest with us. They're not revealing the data. I asked Dr. Fauci directly, tell me how many children have already had COVID are dying or going to the hospital with COVID with a reinfection. He wouldn't answer the question. He says, oh, we don't have the data. They have the data. The answer is zero. If your child's had COVID, unless your child has an extraordinary medical condition, if your child has had COVID, I think there are virtually no reported hospitalizations or death with getting it again. And yet they want them all to be vaccinated. So there is an honesty problem in our government. It's getting worse. And you're going to have to clean house someday, but it's going to take a presidential election to do it because Congress doesn't have the will. The Democrats control the Senate. The Democrats don't want to do anything to uh, explore any of these questions. So we're really at an impasse. But elections have consequences. People have to get out there and we have to get better Republicans, but we also have to get control of the, the White House again. You know, you and your father and many others have never been stronger than any other politicians on, on the national debt and deficit. I think the annual debt's north of a trillion dollars, and I think the deficit now is 31 trillion. And people lose consciousness on millions and billions and trillions and uh, quadrillions, it just lose consciousness. And in the year 2001, which wasn't exactly the dark ages when Bush took office, 
the total accumulated national debt was about four and a half trillion dollars. It's now about seven times that at 31 trillion. And this year's annual debt is about one trillion and is pr proceeded to be predicted $40 trillion by the end of this decade. What is the consequences of spending money as we're spending it in the, in the total uh, debt? What is the consequences for us and for future generations? The real danger is that the debt could consume our economy and could destroy our currency. What happens when government buys its debt is it creates inflation. So as the debt has gone up astronomically with all the COVID bailouts over the last few years, we've added more debt than any time period of time in our history. As a consequence, you have inflation and you have the prices rising for gasoline as well as all of your groceries, stealing basically the income and the paychecks, particularly of the working class and of senior citizens. But this comes from debt. If the debt becomes overwhelming and people lose confidence or if the world loses confidence in the dollar, what ends up happening is uh, basically runaway inflation. This happened in Germany in the 1920s. It's happened in Venezuela since the, the, the socialists have taken over in Venezuela. It's happened in various countries in Africa. And people say, oh, it can't happen in America. One of the reasons it hasn't happened in America is because we've been the reserve currency which means we actually export our inflation. We buy more goods than we sell, so if we buy Chinese goods, the dollars go to China. They don't chase goods here. They eventually can come home, but a lot of the dollars circulate. A lot of currencies around the world are weak, so the dollar is the world's currency, and a lot of those dollars, we print them up, and it's a, it's a great scheme. We send them overseas, and they buy products overseas, but they don't chase the, the prices high here. But there is a danger coming. We've added so much debt, there is a real danger that we could destroy the currency and really destroy our country. Our greatest threat is from within, not without. I keep saying this over and over again. We are not going to be attacked from without. We're going to destroy ourselves from within. Senator Rand Paul, I watched on one of the, uh, one of the talk shows this morning. Now, left-wing activists talked about how we need immigrant labor in this country, that there's about two jobs available for every one person seeking work. Now, I would point out that seven to 10 states actually have, uh, have benefits that are about $70,000 a year, so why work? How do you respond to the argument that so many jobs in this country go unfilled, that I see help wanted signs all over Ohio, I'm sure you see them in Kentucky, in California, New York, New Jersey, Iowa, they're everywhere. How do you respond to the argument we need more immigrants to come into America because, after all, Americans won't take those jobs? How do you respond to that? There's a real danger to destroying sort of the spirit and the culture of a country if you get too many people that are non-workers. You know, we have a 62 percent uh, labor force participation. It means 38 percent of the people are not working. We have to get them back to work because what happens is it sucks the life out of a culture. You end up having lawlessness. You've got crime. You've got addiction. But you end up with all of these problems if people aren't kept active and they aren't in the workplace. So we have to get them back simply for the health of the nation. But you also, I think, could base your uh, immigration on uh, unemployment statistics if we were to limit the welfare state. The other thing you have to do is if you have uh, uh, if you're allowing for increased legal immigration, you have to restrict the welfare state. If the welfare state is open to everybody and tens of millions of people come across the border, that will add to our bankruptcy. So I think there's a reasonable discussion over what lawful immigration we can have. But we should have absolutely no illegal immigration. The border should be, and we have the ability to do this, everybody should be sent back. 
but we have to change the law. The law became permissive, and the court interpreted the law to say, oh, these people can stay. They can do this. They can do that. And the bottom line is the only thing that will deter millions of people from coming here is when they see it on the evening news that they're being put back on the other side of the river, and it can't happen soon enough. Well, lastly, I would say this, that uh, when, uh, when Biden was in uh, Mexico uh, uh, several days ago, uh, the president of Mexico made a comment that he loves the idea of 30 million Mexicans living in the United States. And the reason he loves that is because the money sent every month from America to Mexico helped fuel their economy. And secondly, there's a large reparations movement underway in Mexico in which uh, they kind of want to take back parts of America that were, uh, were lost in the Mexican-American war. So from the Mexican perspective, they love the policies of Joe Biden. They hated the policies of Donald Trump, but they love what Joe Biden is doing. It helps the Mexican economy. And secondly, what it does is, uh, is uh, fulfill this notion of reparations. And, and that did not get great play in the American press for obvious reasons, uh, because it doesn't sound good in America. But from a Mexico perspective, isn't what the Biden policy now doing, don't they enjoy that quite, often, quite a bit because it fits, fits their goals? Yeah, if you look even south of Mexico to some of the smaller Central American countries, it's their largest influx of foreign uh, cash is coming from people who work in this country, many of them who are working illegally and not paying taxes in this country. But I think we need to have them all paying taxes, and I think there are some answers that we could find. The problem has always been the Democrats say we need 18 million people who are illegal in the U.S. We need to let them vote. And I think that transforms us into another country and is not the way immigration should be. And so I have never been for that, but I have been for some incremental changes to some of the immigration programs and work programs to try to uh, make them work in a, in a way that would function for the good of the country. But we never get there because Democrats want everything or nothing. And so unless they can get all 18 million voting immediately and transform our political system, they, they're not interested in anything else. It also goes to show why you know, the devastating things that are happening to young women at the border, uh, being uh, trafficked, human trafficking, all the horrific things happening to them. I don't think the Democrats seem to show much concern because they don't want to change the system at all. They're not for doing anything down there. And as long as we allow the system to continue, it's run by the drug cartels and the human traffickers. Well, you know, I fear, Senator Paul, the way you and I and many other Americans think will be lost with the special counsel investigations now the, the feds have appointed Robert Hur as the special counsel for Joe Biden. That's going to take months and years. Got the whole Trump thing playing out on the left and the right. Got Trump under investigation in, in Atlanta, Trump under investigation in New York, Trump under investigation in Washington. And the issues that are destroying this country, in my opinion, which I think we agree, which is the $32 trillion national debt. And secondly, what's happening on the southern border and out of, out of control government will have uh, long-term impacts on all of us. But uh, Senator Rand Paul, you're the best senator in the state of Kentucky, and I wish you and yours nothing but the best. And I had on Senator uh, Vance about a week ago. He said he got to work, had his three kids there. And the first thing Schumer did was go in a three-week recess. And I'm thinking, a three-week mm -hmm. recess? We got problems in this country. And how come you guys aren't working? It's because the Senate Majority Leader said go home, which is ridiculous. Yeah, we're looking forward to having J.D. Vance up there. I think he's going to be a good asset for us.
No, he's a normal American. Senator Rand Paul, thank you very much for coming on the Bill Cunningham Show. With your permission, we'll do it again. Thank you, Senator. Thanks, Bill. Bill Cunningham, the Great American, live with you every Sunday night. All right, Billy Cunningham, the great American, and uh, Senator Rand Paul has a lot of work to do when he talks about Dr. Anthony Fauci. I don't know if they're lies. There's certainly misconceptions and misstatements. What I'd like to know at some point is how much money has Dr. Anthony Fauci made from the COVID-19? I'd like to know. It's true, of course, now, but I think most Americans do not quite understand, don't accept it, that the American taxpayer funded the creation of COVID-19 by providing the communist red Chinese millions of dollars to research gain of function research that somehow got out of the Wuhan lab and got into the wet market then went around the world. And right now, one of the great stories is communist red China, uh, Xi Jinping has stopped the uh, zero COVID policy because of the protests going on. He was losing control. And now that disease is rampant. Now in China, it's different than America. I have these stories I've shared with you earlier tonight about uh, the Pfizer. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Vaccine is under scrutiny from the FDA for causing too many strokes in older folks. And also there's difficulty with the data supplied by Moderna to, uh, to the FDA. They're not happy about that. We also have the circumstance now of uh, Dr. Wen, who is one of the experts on CNN, is talking about the over-reporting of COVID-19 and the fact that 70% of the deaths attributable to COVID-19 may be not caused by COVID-19, but someone dies with COVID-19, a big difference. Let's continue with more. Coming up next is Mark Kikorian, what's happening on our southern border, and the drive-by of President Joe Biden, who belongs in assisted living. Bill Cunningham, the great American, with you every Sunday night. Hi, right, Billy Cunningham, the great American. Of course, uh, about a week ago, President Joe Biden dropped out of the friendly skies for about a three-hour trip to a sanitized version of El Paso, goes to Mexico, meets with the leaders of Canada and Mexico, and from that came nothing except the fact that the president of Mexico is uh, gleeful with the idea that 40 million Mexicans are living in the United States. It's kind of like uh, reclaiming large parts of uh, several states that were lost, lost in the Mexican-American War. And for those who pay a lot of attention, uh, many Mexican, it's Mexican foreign policy, believing that whether it's California, New Mexico, throw in large parts of Texas, Colorado, throw in Oklahoma, large parts of our country should be in Mexico, except for what General Zachary Taylor did in the 1848-49 Mexican-American War. And I'm thinking, my God, are we in trouble? It's called reparations Mexican style. Joining you and I now is Mark Kikorian. 
He's the leader of the Center for Immigration Studies, CIS.org. And Mark Kikorian, welcome again to the Bill Cunningham Show. So what has been your reaction to the, uh, to the trip, El Paso trip, then on to Mexico City, and the comments of the president of Mexico, and the fact that it appears that uh, we have no change whatsoever in immigration policy. How would you react to that? Well, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, the whole trip to El Paso was just a photo op. And, you know, I mean, politicians do photo ops. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. But the policy that he had announced a few days before he went down there was, you know, supposed to look like he was getting tough and responding to the border crisis. In fact, it's almost certain going to make it worse than it is now. I mean, it may actually help a little bit for a few weeks, and then it's just going to make it worse. And as far as the trip to Mexico, you know, the interesting thing is foreign leaders, you know, have their own interests, their own country's sovereignty, all of that stuff, and that's all legitimate. But the question is, what do they, how do they perceive us when we deal with them? And I had a boss who used to say, you teach people how to treat you. And when Trump was president, uh, you know, for better or worse, the Mexicans paid attention to what he said. They were, you know, I won't say quite afraid of him, but they were kind of afraid of him. Nobody's afraid of this guy, whether it's Mexico or North Korea or Putin or the Chinese or whatever. They just, he's a joke. I mean, they laugh at him. So, of course, he's going to, you know, take advantage of Biden's pathetic weakness. And, um, you know, it's not clear what came out of the, what really came out of the meeting. But obviously, Biden is not somebody out there who's insisting on America's sovereignty and America's interests. And foreign leaders know that. And Mark Kerkorian, a little known fact that that is the 40 million Mexicans living in America send back to Mexico something in the range of 10 to 12 billion dollars every month. By that, I mean the work is being done here and uh, they have families back home. And so that kinds of money, maybe up to 70 to 80 billion dollars is one of the major factors that helps the Mexican economy. And so it's in Mexico's interest to have no uh, border wall, no effective border wall, because it helps their economy. And in the back of their minds is the reparations movement in Mexico that says we should really own a large part of the Southwest. It was wrongfully taken in the 1848 Mexican-American War. And so it plays well politically in Mexico uh, to have an open border, have the money flowing back and forth to erase the border. And uh, Trump wasn't loved anywhere, but he was feared. And when I see what the Saudi Arabians laugh and joke about Joe Biden, or you look at the Europeans who snicker at him behind his back, and the fact that he's stumbling and mumbling and fumbling, he's frail and elderly, he belongs in assisted living. And then to have him announce, I'm running for the, he's going to announce soon, I'm running for a second term. Uh, And the Democratic Party's okay with it because he's a putz and he's manipulated by those around him to impose left-wing policies. And the major left-wing policy is an erased Southern border, which will have terrible long-term consequences on the nation. And it's not gonna change whatsoever over the next several years. And God forbid, if Trump runs again, I don't think he's electable by the general population in this country. And as a consequence, we would have literally 
about six more years of Joe Biden. So let's say he can make it physically. Let's say he's not committed in some way or another. So let's say he's the president for six more years, Mark Kikorian, and let's say he has the same policies for six more years, and it's now uh, 2029. What does America look like? Well, I'm afraid a lot different because, you know, this. you hear a lot of numbers about what's going on at the border, and some of them sound bigger than they are because they're arrest numbers and not everybody's arrested is let go. But this guy, since he, in the first two years, or maybe, let me put it this way, each of the past two years, he has let in, let go into the United States. In other words, in custody, an illegal immigrant, and then let him go close to a million each year. Uh, those people, they're, you know, if they show up for hearings, whatever, who knows, they're not leaving unless we make them leave. And so eight years of President Biden would, you know, could well mean eight million more illegals that they let in on purpose, plus a significant number, several million extra, who got away from the Border Patrol because the Border Patrol is so overwhelmed, like Lucy and the Chocolate Factory, you know, that TV show, where um, they, uh, they're just getting by the uh, – they're just getting by. The Border Patrol knows they're there. They have pictures or they set off sensors, underground sensors, but they don't have anybody to go and get them. So, so we're talking a huge increase, maybe not quite a doubling potentially of the illegal immigrant population. And, um, you know, that's, I mean, nothing is uh, unfixable, but you take, but there's a lot of damage that can't be undone if we, you know, if this, your scenario comes to pass. Mark Corian, you have a column up. Uh, it's by Jessica Vaughn, dated January the 11th, 2023, entitled National Human Trafficking Awareness Day. And when one four-year-old child in California is washed away from his mother's arms, it's a major story for several days, how terrible it is about what happened to that little boy. It was awful. The flooding is terrible. The mom was literally holding on to save the life of this little boy, uh, Kyle, uh, his name is Kyle Doan, I'm sorry, he's five years old, and ripped out of his arms. And there's been a GoFundMe page set up, which it should be. The family's getting millions of dollars. Uh, there's, uh, they're still looking for the body. And I assume uh, there's going to be a bad result. I pray to God he did something and he's alive. But nonetheless, we obsess over the passing, seemingly, of one five-year-old boy because it is so bad cnn fox news cbs have done stories on this one five-year-old boy which is a human tragedy it's awful i could not imagine when my son was five years old to have him ripped out of my arms in a flood and the guilt and the horror that i would feel absolutely how about the policies of joe biden on the southern border how many times have the kyle dones of this world been ripped out of their mother's arms how many times has the mother been trafficked because of the policies of Joe Biden? How many hundreds or thousands have been killed because they didn't pay the human traffickers with their body or with their blood or with their money? Can you talk about why a human trafficking day is required because of the policies of Joe Biden? Yeah, I mean, the you know human trafficking is different from smuggling. Smuggling is where you are a willing participant. You pay somebody, they bring you over. Um, you're part of the conspiracy. Trafficking is where you're kidnapped or tricked or coerced or somehow. And 
the, when you have enormous flows like this, you're going to have people either who put themselves in the hands of these uh, criminals or who end up falling into the hands of criminals. And, you know, like to, to continue with your story, that one tragic incident, it's, you know, Stalin had said, remember, one death is a tragedy, a million is a statistic. And so there is a similar dynamic here when there's one horrible instance like that of that uh, child dying in the river that becomes a big story. But we're talking hundreds of thousands of people who are either sex trafficked or they're uh, indentured slaves, basically working, you know, 10 years in a Chinese restaurant to work off their smuggling fees and they, you know, their passport has been seized, that kind of thing. When you have an essentially open border, a chaotic border, you're creating opportunities for this kind of human trafficking. The way to fix it is, of course, if you get the guys, the bad guys doing this, you lock them up. But you, you change the circumstances so they don't have the opportunities. And that means you enforce the border so people don't make the decision to put themselves in the circumstances where they could be uh, trafficked and exploited, whether it's for prostitution or forced labor or what have you. One of the standards for impeachment, and I do not advocate the impeachment of Joe Biden because I'm thinking who becomes the president. That would be worse. Yeah. But nonetheless, <laughs> one, of, one of the standards of impeachment is faithfully execute the laws of the United States of America and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution. I ask you the question, is Joe Biden faithfully executing the laws on the southern border? Absolutely not. Uh, And it's not even, uh, I mean, there's no ambiguity about it. The federal law says, for instance, that um, the goal of the executive branch should be to achieve operational control of the border, and it defines that as stopping all unauthorized crossings. This administration explicitly says they do not believe in doing that. It's not that they're failing, that they're not able to. They don't think that's the right thing to do, and yet the law specifically says that's what they're supposed to do. Uh, When an illegal immigrant crosses the border and say he says the magic asylum words, Federal law requires that he be held in custody until his case is finished, that he's detained and not let go. These guys just are letting him go. So, yeah, there's no question that the president is uh, knowingly every day violating federal law and is impeachable. But like you said, uh, I mean, it's not only that. Kamala Harris would become president, he'd never be removed from office in the first place. You need two thirds of the Senate and it would blow up in Republicans face. But there's no question that he is completely um, rejecting his duty as chief executive. You know, the defenders of Joe Biden and the mainstream media, they're the defense team, whether it's CNN, MSNBC, the mainstream media newspapers, they all defend Joe Biden. And one of the precursors of every discussion is there's nothing we can do. It's going to happen anyway. There's 200 million Central Americans, Venezuelans, Puerto Ricans, Haitians who want to come to America. And the standard is political persecution. It is not because I want to be with my family. It is not because I want to work. It is not because I'm poor. None of that even matters. And they know it doesn't matter. It's political persecution 
which less than five, six percent actually qualify. So everyone released, they know, wink, wink, nod, nod, is never going to qualify, and they're here. And the standard is, well, there's nothing we can do. After all, we're doing our best. Can you describe how that is a lie? And the mainstream media, the defenders of Joe Biden know it's a lie because we had four years of Donald Trump. Describe the last two years under Trump and the last two years under Biden to prove that the policies of Trump worked. Yeah, I mean, that's the first the first uh, item of first edit, first piece of evidence is that Biden inherited a border that was stable and then he broke it. So obviously, there is, this isn't just something that like the tides or the weather that we have to just lie back and pretend to enjoy it. Uh, this is a, an artifact of our government's policy. And the asylum thing is one of the areas, I think, that people don't think about enough because you're, you, what you described is correct. It's supposed to be persecution based on your politics or your race or religion. But there is a loophole in the U.N. treaty, and we put it into our law. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That says one of the reasons you can get asylum is if you're being persecuted based on your membership, quote, membership in a particular social group, unquote, mm. which means any darn thing a lawyer or judge feels like making it mean. And this administration is saying that particular social group means anybody who doesn't like, you know, uh, who doesn't like crime in their town or the gangs are bad or their husbands, uh, you know, uh, beats them up or whatever it is. Okay, well, that's basically the entire population of the earth is now eligible for asylum. And that's something that needs that. That's a policy thing that we can fix and prevent the use of asylum the way it's being used, on top of all the other things this administration is uh, doing badly. Mark Akorian, thank you again for coming on the Bill Cunningham Show. I fear the scenario I presented uh, of a mentally incompetent, frail, and elderly Joe Biden being manipulated for years to come, kind of like El Cid on the horse. They're going to bring out Joe Biden to run again in a couple years, and then we're going to have uh, his policies for six years, in which case uh, we're out of business. But uh, CIS.org, I'm looking at all the stories up there. It's great stuff. CIS.org, Mark Kikorian. Once again, thank you very much for coming on the Bill Cunningham Show. And with your permission, we'll do it again. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Bill Cunningham, the Grand American, live with you every Sunday night. Billy Cunningham, the great American. I tell you what, Mark Akorian puts the cheese on the cracker when he talks about the failure of the Democrat slash Pelosi Biden administration to faithfully execute the laws of this country. He took an oath to do it. He's not doing it. And 
at some point because of all the scandals involving the the uh, top secret information that he's lied about repeatedly the democratic party if you watched tucker carlson three or four nights ago talked about democrats have about ready to uh, ignore joe biden and act as if he's not going to be the nominee of the democrat party come uh, 2024 and i think tucker carlson is exactly correct because the democratic party number one uh, does not want an incompetent uh, someone who belongs in assisted living to be the president he can't espouse the the marxist progressive viewpoint and secondly uh, they have people in the wings ready to go like the new governor of maryland uh, wes moore who's done uh, really an attractive charismatic candidate with the wrong ideas completely the wrong ideas because i would assume if he had the right ideas i would assume the new governor of maryland had the right ideas about how to operate an american city or state he would have used them in the city of Baltimore when he lived there for decades. I would assume that Barack Hussein Obama and Jesse Jackson and Louis Farrakhan and Lori Lighthead has already imposed in the city of Chicago the theories of government that they desire and, des and uh, consider most appropriate to advance the causes of those who vote for them. So after 20 years as a community organizer, isn't it fair to say that Chicago was worse with the Obamas there, with Jesse Jackson, Louis Farrakhan, Harold Washington, Richard J. Daly and Richard M. Daly, et cetera, Lori Lighthead, isn't it fair to say that things have gotten worse under their leadership? So I would assume they've already tried it. We shall overcome. It has overcome. They've overcome. They control budgets. Liberal Democrats control it all. And as a consequence, uh, our society is worse off because they've implemented their theories the way things should be. So uh, Mark Corian, I think, is, it has it right, but at times you get a little bit uh, frustrated. So let's continue with more. Coming up next will be Scott Powell of Rediscovering America on this Martin Luther King Jr. holiday weekend. Bill Cunningham with you every Sunday night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Choice Hotels. Econo Lodge and Roadway Inn Hotels are serving up double points for every qualifying stay. Book at choicehotels.com. Now, here's the man who's been recognized as radio's best. The recipient of not one, but two prestigious Marconi Awards for his broadcast excellence. The one and only, Bill Cunningham. Hi, Billy Cunningham, the great American horse Martin Luther King Jr. holiday is one of those things that was added about 40 or 50 years ago, which I had fully supported at the time and I fully support now. As far as having a holiday, I think he was a great man. There are some who may say differently, but not I'm not one of them. In fact, the criticisms today of ML King generally come from the left and not the right. 
and one of the uh, great uh, books, uh, Rediscovering America and also video.com, is by Scott Powell, who's, who writes articles in and around many American holidays to talk about where it came from, how it's celebrated, where we go from here, et cetera. And uh, he has one that's uh, right now on Newsmax.com. ML King had it right. Woke has it wrong. And once again, Scott Powell, welcome to the Bill Cunningham Show. And Scott Powell, first of all, the article, I think, was one of the best you've written because he's now claimed by left and the right. There are many on the left who, who uh, reject Martin Luther King Jr. and what he tried to do. And many on the right, I think he's embraced more uh, on the right than on the left. And you make the great point that uh, right now, that the top so-called idea among many civil rights, so-called civil rights leaders is Black Lives Matter. And you spend some time talking about the two or three women that founded Black Lives Matter, looted the, the facility, spent and uh, raised and spent literally tens of millions of dollars. And uh, that uh, ho hopefully that movement is fading. But first of all, tell me and tell the American people, how did Martin Luther King Jr. <clears throat> have it right and woke has it completely wrong? Martin Luther King had it right because he... He saw in America a divided nation. There was segregation and discrimination that really <clears throat> that was not solved by the Civil War. I mean, Martin Luther King was a very learned guy, and he actually went back to the founders, uh, and he spoke about uh, Thomas Jefferson's Declaration of Independence, wherein it was self-evident that all people were created equal. Martin Luther King <clears throat> referred to that. Uh, to that part of the declaration as being a promissory note that that Thomas Jefferson gave a promissory note to the American people and that it had not been uh, delivered on and that he viewed his role in the civil rights movement was to consummate that and deliver on that great promissory note and <clears throat> we'll, we all remember his famous speech before the Lincoln Memorial wherein he said that he looked forward to the day where his children and his grandchildren would be evaluated um, by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. And that's sort of a full stop statement. That, that is God's ideal. You know, God looks at, doesn't see our, the color of our skin. We are all his children. We were created in his image and likeness, uh, diverse, <clears throat> diverse appearances, the Asian look, the African right. look, the... Yep. You know, the Latinos, we're, we're all different, but God, you know, th this is just a manifestation on the external. He sees the content of people's character, and that's what Martin Luther King stressed, <clears throat> and, uh, and uh, the civil rights movement really delivered that. So Martin Luther King uh, really accomplished, in, you know, the redemption, this, this progressive idea of a redemptive force in America – and that made Martin Luther King so unique in American history. And I, I see one of your one of your statements in your column says King would condemn wokeism and critical race theory because they perpetuate negative racial stereotypes that uh, denigrate, in this case, the white race. And, and so when you talk about critical race theory, which is taught in almost all urban school districts, it talks about because of the color <clears throat> of your skin, you're responsible for the sins and the crimes of persons in the past that had your skin color. 
And there, and if you're of the right skin color, which is something non-white, in which case you get the benefits. And so what it does is punish innocent people and reward those not necessarily affected because of the color of the skin, that being black, brown, yellow, red, or whatever it might be. So King said it would be rejected. And I can recall in the 60s and 70s in the Senate and the House when there was great debate being held about affirmative action, about whether or not it's it's the discrimination this time against white folks. That is, we simply discriminate against a different race. How's that agreeable? And the experts said, look, we need to do this for one generation or maybe two. Within 20, 30, 40 years after that, we're going to have uh, political power. We're going to have Hollywood. We're going to have many others that, that are going to look upon skin color as being irrelevant. But whenever you go to a college, a university, almost every... Uh, public school system in America, uh, TV shows, and books, authors, uh, newspaper stories, most of the major networks, they, they simply add, subtract, multiply, and divide by race. That is, if you're, if you're white, there's something wrong with you. In fact, we're going to treat you as black folks were treated in the 40s, 50s, and 60s with separate graduations, separate fraternities. We're going to have separate sororities. And, and that is the antithesis of what King required. And so what evidence do you have that King would condemn wokeism and critical race theory? The evidence that we have about King comes from his own words. <clears throat> and he was a, a, a voluminous speaker. He gave you know, many sermons and many speeches. Uh, and uh, he, he has a wonderful book that is probably the, the highlights of, of his, uh, his intellectual contribution. But he condemned uh, racism of, of every kind. And uh, I really believe that what we're seeing is <clears throat> a, a new stage uh, by the enemies of America. We know that we're in a struggle between good and evil, and we know that the bad forces want to keep America divided. So, uh, you know, if Martin Luther King's ideal was fulfilled, we would racism would not be an issue. There wouldn't be that political issue with which to um, get advantage uh, through, through politics. And um, so I, I, I view this as a really as a, as a regression in America, not anything less than that. We are, we are moving backwards and not forwards. Martin Luther King moved us forward. You know, his, his vision was realized in the passage of 12 civil rights laws um, during and after the civil rights movement, after, you know, we could say that it was sort of consummated <clears throat> with the death of Martin Luther King in 1968. Um, anyway, 12 different law, civil rights laws were, pa were passed, and there, is, there was no impediment, no obstacle no opportunity denied to black people. And today, when we analyze our society economically, we can see that blacks dominate many sports. Three quarters of professional basketball players are black. 50% of professional football players are black. 25% approximately of baseball players are, are black. They, and of course, black people represent about 12 and a half, 13 percent of the population. So they're overrepresented. They are overrepresented in Hollywood. They are overrepresented in entertainment. 
Um, so, you, you know, in many ways, Martin Luther King's vision was was fulfilled. I mean, prog- great progress has been made, but the haters of America who want to destroy America, you know, who want to tear apart our Constitution, uh, who who want to burn our country down, are now using race to divide us again. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, and you also make the great point that Black Lives Matter was founded by Patrice Cullors and Alicia Garza. Both are avowed Marxists. There is no question they are Marxist. And uh, I can't, uh, and you make the point that where does Marxism succeed? Where is it possible? What good ever came out of Marxism? In fact, when I think about Marxism, I think, of course, one of the founding fathers uh, of communism and fascism, which is a branch, I think, of total government control of the means and methods of production, et cetera. And so Marxism does not succeed anywhere. And there's statues of Karl Marx all over the communist world. And so we have these Black Lives Matter movement, which has looted companies and charities. They've spent tens of millions of dollars on themselves, on homes, vacation homes, paying themselves tens of millions of dollars. And anyone that would dare criticize Black Lives Matter is called by the mainstream media to be a racist. When I'm, in a sense, a disciple of Martin Luther King Jr., a person needs to be judged not by the color of their skin, the content of their character, which is the opposite of Marxism. So there are statues to Karl Marx all over the communist world, and the founders of Black Lives Matter are avowed Marxists, and the great bulk of the American people have no idea because the media doesn't report on that. It doesn't yeah, it fit the diatribe. Why does the media cover that up when it's a fact of life that the founders of BLM have looted their treasuries for personal benefit. And secondly, they are Marxist. Why isn't that a big deal? Well, it should be a a big deal, but we know that the bias, uh, the media in America, the mainstream media is, uh, gives a pass uh, uh, to, to, you know, to anything that's black. Uh, Black Lives Matter is sort of the cutting edge of the, of the, of the uh, a black activist movement that was born really back during the Obama years, uh, but really, uh, it really uh, did its most harm to our country after uh, you know the 2020 the, the COVID uh, crisis broke out, and then uh, there were you know the Black Lives Matter were, were involved in in various uprisings right. in different cities, and in Minneapolis, uh, George Floyd was uh, unfortunately. Uh, killed. Um, <clears throat> I don't. I, I wouldn't look at it as a murder, but it was an in, inappropriate, perhaps an excessive use of holding someone down. It was a, actually a, a technique that the police had approved using. But in any case, we also know that George Floyd was a drug addict. He had a lot of drugs coursing through his system when he passed away. So it was really probably a combination of reasons that he died. But it it created a you know riots all over the United States. 
And this guy had a rap sheet a mile long. I mean, he's not a man. He's not an example for black people to look up to. But Martin Luther matter. King Jr. It doesn't King matter. Was- the, <clears throat> the issue is the issue is not the issue, Bill. The issue is the revolution and the takedown of America. That's the issue. That's what that, that's what we're facing today. And uh, the sooner we, we wake up to it, the sooner we'll be able to deal with it. You know, f- uh, liberalism, progressivism, Marxism does not work anywhere it's been tried. I look at the time of uh, Martin Luther King Jr. in the 50s and 60s until he was assassinated in April of 1968. Practically every major city was controlled by Republicans. And uh, the Democratic Party at that point was in a sense more conservative than the Republican Party because uh, uh, in 1960, John F. Kennedy Jr. ran to the right of Richard Nixon. And so there was a complete upheaval from 65 to 73 that almost every summer American cities burned and riots went on. All that stuff was happening, and including on Martin Luther King Jr.'s death. Think of a couple hundred American cities burned destroying the middle class, destroying schools and businesses in many urban areas. And as we sit here in 2023, uh, we have almost, I think, 95% of American cities are all controlled by liberal Democrats. And they've been that way for 50 years. And look at the result. Look at Baltimore. Look at St. Louis. Look at Portland. Look at Chicago. Liberal white and black politicians have largely ruined the major cities in this country in which people are leaving in droves because the kids can't get educated, crime is rampant, there's no job creation, and they're terrible places to live. And that's all as a result of liberal Democrat and the Marxist organization, Black Lives Matter, dominate major cities. And it's not getting any better, Scott Powell. In fact, one might say, heck, it's getting worse. New York City was well, it functional. Well, it certainly got it's getting worse. It certainly- it certainly got uh, worse with the Black Lives Matter movement. <clears throat> There's no doubt about that. Um, <clears throat> but I think uh, focusing on what is positive, <clears throat> you know, there's a lot to learn from and reflect on King's life. Yeah. You know, uh, what was significant and formidable about him was the unique, vital, and powerful role he played in the unfinished progress of America. And in spite of his flaws, he rose to the occasion of fulfilling the course of redemption in American history. He collected on that promissory note that Thomas Jefferson declared to the American people and that, and that Lincoln uh, also spoke of in the, in the Emancipation Proclamation but wasn't realized even after the Civil War. You know, we had black laws and, and Jim Crow laws that extended right into the, into the 20th century. Um, but King was raised up to deal with that. And, um, you know, nearly now, 200 years after the vision expressed in the Declaration and 100 years after the bloody Civil War, Martin Luther King answered the call and ultimately sacrificed his life to finish the work that he described as making people free at last, free at last. And um, it's it's a a shame that we've lost the sense of this, great legacy, uh, Martin Luther King is one to be celebrated. And, you know, his yep. writings are amazing. His, his letter from a Birmingham jail ranks right up there with many of the founders' writings. It's so profound, so powerful. Beautiful. Well, we yeah. got to run, I tell you what, Martin Luther King Jr. I've seen so much saying 
Martin Luther King Jr. and George Floyd, great civil rights leader. It makes me sick to my stomach on one, but the other man needs to be celebrated, ML King. Well, we got to run once again, rediscoveringamerica.com. Scott Powell, your column is at uh, Newsmax, many other places. And once again, Scott Powell, thank you for coming on the Bill Cunningham Show. And Scott Powell, you're a great American. Thank you. Bill, you're so kind to say that, and I look forward to doing it again soon. Thank you. Another American holiday. Let's continue. If a line becomes available, 866-647-7337. Bill Cunningham, the great American, live with you every Sunday night. Hi, Billy Cunningham. What a great night for talk radio. And I thank especially Senator Rand Paul for taking the time tonight and uh, Julie Gunlock and Mark Kikori in the Center for Immigration Studies.org. If you go to CIS.org, the stuff is there about what is not happening on the southern border. And Scott Powell, to have him on, I have him on a lot during holiday weekends because he's written books on American holidays, where they came from, how they're celebrated and where they're going at this point. And with Martin Luther King Jr., there's a wide variance between King and George Floyd, a complete difference. Uh, King was the apostle of peace. King was arrested something like 29 times. King had the letter, the address from Birmingham jail. King had a doctorate. Now, you can argue, of course, about his personal misbehavior with ladies, just like John F. Kennedy, his personal misbehavior with ladies. In fact, you might add Donald Trump and his personal misbehavior with ladies. But in reality, the policies worked for John F. Kennedy Jr. The policies worked for Donald Trump and the policies worked for uh, for everyone uh, who espouses an idea of American exceptionalism. But the current Black Lives Matter movement does none of that. There's a wide differential. And the Black Lives Matter movement, which dominates the so-called civil rights crowd today, as opposed to Martin Luther King Jr. Big difference. Let's continue. Lastly, I want to wrap things up tonight with uh, John Lott, who uh, worked in the Trump administration. He has facts and statistics, crimeresearch.org. And uh, we're going to talk about the uh, six-year-old first grader who uh, shot his teacher and how the gun gun, uh, rights crowd is using that to and to take away more of your Second Amendment freedoms. So if a line becomes available, 866-647-7337. Bill Cunningham, The Great American, with you every Sunday. to try to stop the so-called gun violence. When lots of wrecks take place and people die in car accidents, they don't call it car violence. They uh, focus on the driver of the vehicle. 
But when it comes to a gun protected by the Second Amendment, the media always talks about gun violence as if the perpetrator doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. The guns by themselves jump out, run around neighborhoods, cock themselves and fire. But nonetheless, that's a different issue. Joining you and I now is John Lott, who's the president of the Crime Research Center. Also, he's with uh, CrimeResearch.org that does a lot of the work on statistics and facts. And as you know, uh, John Lott was in the Justice Department during the Trump administration. And John Lott, a uh, lot of media stories, especially this morning, about uh, Governor Pritzker, who's the, who's the left-wing rich governor of Illinois. And we have many sheriffs in Southern Illinois that are saying they're not gonna enforce the law that passed by the state legislature, a bunch of left-wingers, and then also signed by the governor because they try to ban like assault weapons and semi-automatic weapons. I have several semi-automatic weapons. They're called handguns. I don't know what percent, 70, 80% of the handguns sold are semi-automatic. And so uh, number one, uh, you worked in the Department of Justice a long time under Trump. And uh, number two, will this have the desired effect to kind of give us an idea what's happening in Illinois, which is the same thing happening in almost every blue state. They want, they want to stop uh, armed robberies by making guns themselves illegal, which of course will never work. Give me your perspective. Right. Well, look, uh, you know, they have a list of guns that they put out by name, semi-automatic guns, both handguns and rifles. Uh, but, you know, there are other guns that are functionally identical that they haven't banned. Uh, they banned guns based on how they look, uh, you know, the so-called military style. And it, it really makes no sense to go and ban guns when there are other guns that are functionally identical. They're firing the same bullets with the same rapidity, doing the exact same damage. Uh, the problem here is that, you know, let's say they were consistent, banned all semi-automatic rifles, for example. What's the alternative? The alternative is a manually loaded gun, where once you pull a trigger and one bullet comes out, you have to physically yourself put another bullet in the chamber uh, to fire again. Uh, the problem with that is it's going to make it difficult for law-abiding citizens to be able to go and use guns defensively. If you face multiple criminals uh, or if you fire and miss or if you uh, wound the attacker but don't incapacitate them, uh, you may have to fire a second shot and you may not have the luxury of time uh, to be able to go and manually reload your gun. Uh, so it's a real safety issue with regard to people who are going to be using guns defensively. And the notion is that even if you were to ban all semi-automatic guns, uh, what you're going to end up doing is making it so the most law-abiding good citizens are the ones who obey those rules, right. not the criminals. Uh, you know, you can look at Mexico. Mexico, since 1972, uh, the most powerful gun that you've been able to legally buy in the country there has been a 22 caliber short round bolt action rifle. Uh, you can't buy semi-automatic guns there. And yet Mexico uh, in many years has had a murder rate that's six times higher than the murder rate in the United States. In fact, after the, that gun law went into effect, the Mexican murder rate has essentially more than doubled. Uh, you know, it's not that the Mexican drug gangs are using 22 caliber bolt action rifles uh, to go and uh, commit the crimes that they have there. They go and bring in the guns from the rest of the world, just as they go and bring in the illegal drugs that they go and sell. And 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, the notion that that's going to be any different in the United States just simply isn't credible. Well, the, the evidence, the facts actually don't matter uh, to the left because in Mexico, 50 years ago, that they put into effect a more stringent Illinois-type law had absolutely no impact, zero impact, but nonetheless, it is feel-good legislation. And uh, I, I, I can't imagine about what percent of purchases of semi-automatic handguns are they of the total as opposed to the cylinder-operated? Is it 70 80%? So every year, there's tens of millions of semi-automatic weapons. Is, is that correct? Yeah, about 85% of handguns sold in the United States are semi-automatics. You have a similar percent with regard to rifles uh, in the United States. So the vast and what, majority of guns. John Lott, what's your view when sheriffs in southern Illinois say, there was one this morning on one of the cable shows that talked about, uh, I'm not going to enforce the law. As an attorney on one side, I'm thinking, wait a minute, that is chaos because if the legislature passes a law, you should enforce it. However, what if a sheriff would say, look, I'm not going to enforce domestic violence laws in my county because I don't think those are right. That, that sows chaos. But on the other hand, sheriffs are saying the Second Amendment protects the right of a person to buy a semi-automatic pistol. Therefore, I'm not going to enforce the law. Where does John Locke come down on that side of the debate? Well, my guess is uh, the courts will eventually strike down this law, uh, given the Bruin decision that we had last year from the Supreme Court. Uh, But, um, you know, sheriffs are creatures of the state. And so uh, my guess is uh, the governor is going to be able to make life very difficult for those sheriffs uh, that, uh, that don't want to enforce the law. I mean, I'm sympathetic with them. And I'm concerned that uh, this type of rule is going to make it difficult for law-abiding citizens to be able to go and protect themselves, uh, that it's mainly just going to help criminals uh, or have no effect. Uh, So, uh, but uh, there are lots of powers that governors have, given that sheriffs are created under state law, that you know, could result in even the arrest of those law enforcement people who are refusing to uh, uh, enforce the law. Right. A couple more issues in Virginia. We had the horrible circumstance of a six-year-old, I believe a boy, a six-year-old boy, who took a nine-millimeter Glock to the first grade in his backpack and shot his teacher in the chest. And she is recovering, but I'm sure she's in terrible condition. And she acted in a heroic, brave way. And I would think it's about the uh, mother. I think there's no father in the home, a mother who didn't properly store the weapon. But now they're talking about in Virginia, because of their governor, likely not to occur, that suddenly it becomes not a debate about uh, parenthood. It begins a debate of we have to put trigger locks on every weapon not currently being used. 
and, and that's going to be the next avenue. That would keep a six-year-old from shooting his teacher in the first grade, for God's sakes. Why would that make no sense? Yeah. All right. Well, we have we have about 17 states that have these types of laws that mandate they have to be locked up. Uh, you know, the problem is uh, what's ignored is that those types of laws can make it difficult for people to be able to go and use guns defensively. Yeah. You know, if you live in a high crime urban neighborhood, it may not make a lot of sense to make it difficult for you to be able to get quick access to your gun to be able to go and protect yourself. And what, in fact, you find is that total murder rates actually go up when you have states mandate these types of laws, that criminals become emboldened to attack people in their home and they become more successful in committing the type of crime. What people don't seem to understand is how rare accidental gun deaths involving children are. For example, uh, for children under age 10, you're talking about something around 35 accidental gun deaths a year. Uh, for children under age 15, you're talking about something that's around 50 or so accidental gun deaths a year. And most of those involve adult males who are in their mid to late 20s who have criminal records and are drug addicts or alcoholics who are actually firing the gun. It's not young kids getting hold of the gun. You know, this story kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Michael Moore's Bowling for Columbine, where he makes a big deal about uh, a six-year-old who took a gun to school and shot another child. Uh, what Michael Moore left out, and what we don't know yet about kind of the circumstances involving this case in Virginia, uh, was that the mother was a drug addict. Uh, she was out of the home. The boy was staying with his uncle, who was a drug dealer. Uh, and one of the clients for the drug-dealing uncle uh, had... Hmm. Uh, passed out on the floor of uh, the uncle's house there and, uh, you know, had this gun next to him. And the kid had picked up the gun and taken it to school. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of information that we still need to know about the circumstances here. But the notion that somehow, uh, you know, a, a drug addict like that, if you have a, a law, you know, it was illegal for the person to even own the gun in the Michael Moore case to begin with. Uh, you know, that somebody like that is going to lock up their gun is just not very believable or credible. But uh, uh, there's so few uh, accidental gun deaths involving kids that when you pass uh, these types of gun lock laws, you actually don't see any changes in accidental shootings by children. There's about 80 to million uh, children in America, 80 to 90 million, and it comes down to a, a couple dozen tragic gun deaths. One of the classic cases is out of Houston, Texas. A grand jury will soon decide whether an armed uh, customer who shot and killed a robber in southwest Houston, Texas, is now being held a hero, will be criminally charged. What happened here is that the robber came into a, a, a taco restaurant in Houston, Texas, and kind of walked around with a, what appeared to be a gun, a handgun, and uh, had the customers empty out their pockets, their rings, their wallets, et cetera. And as he walked by a booth, having, uh, having freed a customer's wallet from his pocket, unfortunately for the robber, the uh, customer uh, had a, a handgun, pulls it out, and shoots him. First shot was more or less in the back, then shot him several times until he was dead. And, and that that customer left the restaurant and later turned himself in. Uh, however, it appears that the robber 
that was not holding a, a real gun. It uh, was a replica. It couldn't shoot. And now the radical left is concerned that the 46-year-old customer uh, who turned himself in as cooperating killed a robber who wasn't in possession of a real gun. And now the radical left is using this as, as an example of why not uh, to uh, defend yourself in a robbery. How absurd is that? Right. I mean, look, anybody who watches the video uh, that's there can see that the robber is threatening people with what appears to be a gun. Uh, and, uh, you know, customers were cowering. They were in extreme fear for his li their lives. Uh, you know, uh, I have a hard time believing that there's going to be any eventual penalty that's going to be imposed on this customer who did what he thought was necessary to come to the aid of, uh, of other customers there. If you go and take in, whether it's a real gun or a fake gun that people believe and threaten people, threaten to shoot people, yeah. uh, you know, that's the type of response that uh, you're going to risk running into. And in a place like Texas, where there's a fairly significant percentage of the adult population with permitted concealed handguns, uh, you know, you run a real risk that's there. But uh, it's hard for me to understand the criticisms of that guy. If if he hadn't been there and if it had been a real gun, there were people's lives that were being threatened right at the time where the customer shot uh, this robber. You, you have a, a posting and and I have the article now. It's at uh, Real Clear Politics, a bunch of, bunch of other places, John R. Lott Jr., that you say the following. These good Samaritans saving the day would make gripping stories, but we don't see much news on these cases. National entertainment television often fails to re reveal the truth about these good Samaritans. For decades, ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox have refused to feature even a single successful defensive gun use by a civilian. And you reference my favorite show is uh, is Yellowstone. It's fabulous. Uh, maybe it runs against the uh, contrary no notice. And uh, your uh, research center, Crime Prevention Research, has found a total of 360 active shooter incidents from 2014 to 2021. Of these 124, more than a third were stopped by a good guy with a gun. Plus, you have literally millions of stories every year of defensive gun use as being successful. Have about a minute remaining. Do you have do you anticipate somehow the media is going to learn the truth about gun use, or do you think they're going to continue with their grab the gum attitude? Because you and I have done this now for many years. Thing, and then Illinois, California, New York State, New York City, they continue, which is one of the reasons many Americans are getting out of those areas. Do you have some hope as, we, uh, as we're in this new year of January 2023 you did not have a few years ago about actual factual reporting on gun use? I don't know. It seems to be getting worse. I mean, we've talked yeah. many times about how the news media distorts the coverage of guns. But what you're reading about is that it's just not the news media. You go and you watch entertainment cop shows on the networks. And uh, if somebody uses a gun defensively, something always goes wrong on, the, on those uh, outlets. Uh, either the person shoots the wrong person or the criminal takes away the individual's gun and uses against them or uh, it, they get in the way of the police and prevent the police from doing their jobs. Uh, what's been interesting to me is that during the 2022-23 uh, season, 
after the Bruin decision this last year that struck down New York's uh, concealed carry law. The entertainment cop shows are just filled with instances where people who were legally carrying a gun uh, tried to use a gun defensively and something went wrong. And the point of the piece is just how misrepresentative it is of reality. Well, well, they have every example that they show of something going wrong. Uh, In reality, people frequently use guns uh, to go and stop crime. So you take those active shooting cases you were talking about. There's not one case where they get in the way of the police. There's not one case where they accidentally shoot a bystander. And yet that's, that's all you see on the entertainment uh, cop shows that are there. It's, uh, it's nothing short of propaganda. John Lott, president, Crime Prevention Research Center, author of uh, uh, the relatively new book, Gun Control Myths, also crimeresearch.org. John Lott, uh, thank you again for coming on the Bill Cunningham Show. We keep fighting like warrior poets, and eventually maybe things will change a little bit better, but I fear not in the blue states, only the red ones. John Lott, once again, thank you for coming on the Bill Cunningham Show. Thank you, John. Well, thank you for being there, Bill. God bless you. Let's continue with more. And uh, if a line becomes available, 866-647-7337. Bill Cunningham, the great American, live with you every Sunday night. Hi, Billy Cunningham, the great American. Thank you for listening this uh, Sunday night, an exciting NFL wildcard weekend. I always enjoy when uh, smaller cities win, like uh, Buffalo or Kansas City, Cincinnati. And uh, I'm not happy when the big cities win, such such as the Giants, but we'll see what happens. It's played on the field. But I especially want to thank Julie Gunlock for coming on this Sunday night, talk about the status of public education, and Senator Rand Paul, and that is what's going to occur, what's going to happen in the new Senate, which takes too many recesses and doesn't do enough work. Plus, on Thursday, is going to be hopefully ugly because at some point we've got to stop the madness of the credit card and having that uh, dominate American spending. That is, we don't we have to bring in balance somehow the fiscal integrity of this great nation. But thanks for listening. And uh, hopefully the southern border will be secure and your Martin Luther King Jr. holiday tomorrow will celebrate the Apostle of Peace. Bill Cunningham, the great American, with you every Sunday night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.